Good morning. In years gone by, I've been away so much, I'd have probably had to have a letter today to uh, to get back into the church because uh, we've been away uh, over the Christmas period and then some time in New Zealand and then the time in Tonga and uh, so uh, I feel like uh, I've hardly had the privilege to uh, worship with you this year. Uh, what a lovely song we just sang, Your Faithfulness Reaches to the Heavens. We've got a great faithful God, haven't we? And as we uh, share together today from John's Gospel, Chapter 6, I hope there are some things that you will take today that will, will warm your heart because that's been my prayer. Your heart will be moved. If we impart knowledge and the heart is not moved, we just waste our time. Um, and this message, I found it particularly um, helpful to me. I've thought a lot about it over the last few weeks. Uh, last night, um, about 3am, I took Mari into the Austin Hospital. She's still in hospital at the moment. Um, she has severe chest pains and uh, she's been admitted to the cardiac ward. Uh, they're not exactly sure what the issue is yet. They're, they're looking at it. And um, I'll go back down after the service today and uh, they may be blocked arteries. They're not sure, so they're continuing to monitor her. But, you know, um, it just drove home to me some of the principles of, of, of that we're going to look at today because I had to myself find my peace, my strength, my assurance in what that God is in control of every situation and uh, that was not of our making but uh, we uh, just accept that God knows, God knows. So chapter 6 of, um, of John, it deals with uh, a number of subjects, a number of interesting subjects actually. It raises the matter of predestination. It remained, rem, some people use some of these verses in John chapter 6 for, uh, for underlining the eternal security of the believer. Uh, there's, there's verses in here that talk about eating the flesh of Jesus, drinking his blood. And so there's a, there are a lot of themes that we could consider out of this chapter today. Uh, but the subject was bless the hungry. Now I'd ask the question as you think of John chapter 6, who, who are the hungry? Who do you think the hungry might be? The story of the feeding of the 5,000, there were obviously 5,000 people. Other Gospels tell us there were more than that, but uh, they were obviously hungry. Um, but I wonder who the, 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 the ones that were truly hungering for the right thing, who they might be. And I want to explore that a little bit more with us this morning. In this uh, chapter, John de- uh, Jesus declares... Uh, the first of the I am statements that we have in the book of John. He says in uh, verse 7, uh, uh, sorry, in, in this chapter, he refers to himself again and again and again as I am the bread of life. Uh, in chapter 8, he's referred to as the light of the world. Chapter 10, the gate. In chapter 10 again, the good shepherd. Chapter 11, the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. 
and uh, then in chapter 15 he says, I am the vine. So we're going to think about that first I am statement today, I am the bread of life and what that really means for us. John 6, you know, the main focus in this whole chapter is bread. 71 verses in this chapter, won't deal with all of them today, but in essence they're dealing with bread. What sort of bread? That's what I want you to be thinking about today. John Piper, uh, uh, when he refers to this chapter, he, he used this title. He said, Jesus came not primarily to give bread, but to be bread. A very important principle. I want you to be thinking about that this morning as we talk. Verse 35, uh, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never thirst. The fact is repeated again in verse 48, again in verse 51. This chapter is primarily focused on pointing us today to the true bread of heaven, which is Jesus Christ. And that's where our focus needs to be. And I've been praying that we will be radically transformed by this great biblical principle and truth. There is nothing more that we need today than Jesus. He is all that we need. Trouble is we add so many other things to it as well. How we respond is our responsibility uh, and my prayer today would be that we would thank God that uh, we understand how little we deserve of his mercy and we acknowledge how much he's done for us. Some uh, by faith will accept what God has provided and some will reject his offer of salvation. And if we were talking about predestination and all those things today, we might think in terms like that. But that's not where I'm particularly focused. Here at Monty, we have been given by the leadership four Bs to consider. Bless, belong, believe and uh, become. Well, I've picked my own four Bs today from this chapter. And I want to talk about baskets, boats, bread and blessing. Uh Chapter 6 gives us two perspectives. The first, from verse 30 on to 36, it shows us man's responsibility to the message. And from verse 37 through to verse 40, we look at things from God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign and he is ultimately in control of what's happening. And uh, his gift of eternal life is available to all mankind. But not all mankind today will recognise that Jesus is the true bread of heaven. But I, I just so hope that you do today and that, that it warms your heart when you think about it. This chapter uh, says little about having full stomachs and lots about having full hearts. And I hope today that uh, we move from just the physical desires and needs to spiritual awakening. Primarily, Jesus is not concerned with meeting these people's physical need. Even though he did that, that was not his primary focus. Valid as having our physical needs met may be, he is primarily focused on having us love him, value him, treasure him, obey him, surrender him, 
have Jesus as the most important thing in our lives and that's really what this bread chapter is about that we would understand that in Jesus we have everything that we need to live godly lives to be satisfied with him to be rejoicing with him and then only then can we truly expect to bless others in any meaningful way at all and we have talked and been talked about of reaching out and blessing into our communities and I want to tell you now it will not happen it will not happen unless our hearts are right unless God is at work in our lives we can have all the rhetoric we like but it will mean nothing at the end of the day unless Jesus is Lord and is the true bread that we nourish ourselves with every day and if we do that then we will have the capacity to reach other people um verses 1 to 15 deal with the feeding of the 5,000 we didn't read that but you know the story well it uh, it covers and verse uh, those verses cover uh, the first 15 verses at least cover that feeding but the rest of the chapter under undergirds the principle of Jesus as the bread of life so this the, the, that's why I say and I repeat it again this is a chapter about bread now Jesus turns to his disciples and they've got all of these people that are gathered around them and Jesus says to them feed the people oh (laughs) this is the disciples reaching out to meet the need of the crowd and what's the response well Philip says in verse 7 how much money have you got Uh, because that's the most logical response and that's often the response we have if we want to fix a problem we just want to throw some money at it I tell you Barnaby Joyce can't fix the problems he's got at the moment with money Tony Mockbell very wealthy when he was a drug lord he can't fix the problems he's got at the moment with money and we will never fix our problems just with money alone either and the disciples were not able to fix the problem these people had with money. Well, what happened? Um, Andrew comes along and he's found a young boy who's got a lunch which is just big enough for him and he brings it to Jesus and Jesus takes that and he blesses it and he gives it to the disciples and um, they distribute it. And Jesus says later in chapter 6 and verse 26 that what was happening here with those people was a sign. It was a sign of what was to come. So don't get too hung up about the feeding of the 5,000. If God is God and Jesus is Lord and uh, he could speak and call worlds into being, I have absolutely no problem to see that he could feed 5,000 people. With a, with a few baskets, uh, with a few fish and, uh, and some loaves. And uh, could you imagine what it would have been like for the disciples? I've got my basket and I'm taking it over to Danielle and, wow, where did all that come from? Oh, uh, it would have been incredible, wouldn't it? Like, just imagine what it must have been like when they were handing it out and, uh, wow, I could imagine the disciples would have been pretty pumped. Um, the people were so fixated on the sign that happened though um, and the physical bread that they missed the person who performed the miracle and we'll see that as we go through it a little bit later we're going to come back and talk more about these things the whole point of the miracle was 
so that they would see that Jesus was the true bread from heaven that would meet all of their needs, not just their hunger. And, and I hope today that, that you let Jesus meet your needs. And you, you might have some hunger. You, you, you might feel like you've got something that needs to be dealt with. I, I hope you take it to another level and you let Jesus uh, meet all of your need today. Well, what's the significance of the 12 baskets that were left over? Because after Jesus, uh, after the disciples distributed everything, Jesus said to his disciples, gather up the food so nothing be, be wasted. So what do you think the significance of those 12 baskets are? Well, obviously, they, they wanted to not waste the food. They wanted to make sure that um, the, everybody had enough, so that's important. Um, there were... Tw- Sorry? Thank you. God's abundance, provision, yeah. You're very spiritual. Twelve baskets, twelve, 12 tribes, yes. 12 baskets, 12 disciples. Well, we'll come back. We'll talk a bit more about that later. Just think about that. And you're imagining what it must have been like for the disciples. You know, I want you to think in these terms this morning. There were 12 baskets. There were 12 disciples. Every disciple got his own basket. And I want you to go from here today with your own basket. I want you to know that Jesus can give you all that you need, just like he made the point to the disciples. If they were going to do his work, they were never, never going to lack anything. He was going to give them a basket just right for them that had all that they're going to need for that day. I want you to be thinking about that. So here's the lesson. Trust God. He will never give you a task to do that he will not provide all that you need to do it. And every day you will have your basket with you and that basket will have everything in it that you need for that day. Now my basket was full last night, I want to tell you, because I was concerned Mari was stubborn. I'm not going to the hospital, nothing wrong with me, and I'm saying, well... Uh, I reckon we better go to the hospital from 10.30, 11 o'clock through till 3 o'clock and we finally get to the hospital and I was right, Judy. She did need to go to the hospital but um, we had a peace. We were, we, we were not upset, we were not anxious about it. We know that God is in control and whatever is happening this morning, God has got it in control. So our basket last night had everything in it that we needed, that we had the peace, we, had, we, we live in a wonderful country, we've got good medical facilities, we've got all that we need. So God provided all that we needed. Uh, you know, in the Old Testament, they were, that God provided through manna, didn't he? And the people went and they collected manna. Every day they were told to collect just enough for the day. And we, what happened if they took too much? It was no good the next day, was it? Don't ever try living out of your basket the next day. I don't think it works. 
I don't think it works. I think that uh, the problem is that we, we live on leftovers and I'm sick of living on leftovers. I, I, I don't want to live that way. Is that how you want to live your Christian life, with, with leftovers? You, 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 I know what the Lord did 35 years ago. Well, that's great. But what's the Lord doing today? And he says today, tomorrow, tomorrow, the 26th of February, there will be a basket, Steve, for you that will have everything in it that you need for that day if you just take it and embrace it and accept it. But if we go living on leftovers, then the problem is that, that you get bloated, you, you, you lose your appetite, don't you? You know, and, and, and you know what it's like too when you sneak a little bit ahead of time and then you get home and Mari's made a lovely tea and I'm not as enthusiastic for it as I should be because I've, I've been snacking somewhere else. Where do you snack outside of the basket that's not helpful? What do you do that is not helpful to your Christian life? that's robbing you of the joy of knowing Jesus as the true bread of heaven. So be careful where you snack. Our experiences of God needs to be fresh every day or we will never be a blessing to other people. And all the plans and programs won't help that. Question, do you think the disciples learnt the lesson about the baskets? I've been thinking about that. Did they learn the lesson? Keep that in your mind. Um, I don't think they did, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Not all of the things that we need are really needs, of course. Sometimes we don't even know what we need, but God knows. Uh, Remember this today. God knows exactly what you need every day so he prepares a basket for you that is exactly what you know you need and you know what Brett your name's on it your basket my basket's got my name Tracy yours has got yours what, whatever it is God pre- prepares it because God deals with us so much as individuals now what is the basket experience got to do with the boats I want to talk about that now verse 16 to 21 the disciples get into the boat Jesus doesn't get into the boat the disciples get into the boat they go to the other side of the lake and the and the crowd observe that this is going on but they've got out about three and a half miles and if we read the other accounts in other gospels Mark and Matthew we'd see that there was a storm and they were frightened and things were happening and um, there's lots of lots of ways to apply the, the the boat lesson, but I think the boat lesson here is underscoring the importance of the baskets, because it's okay to trust Jesus when everything's really good, but these disciples weren't on dry land anymore. These disciples were out on the lake, and they were frightened. 
And sometimes we're te- we tend to think that the baskets that God gives us, that's not going to meet our need today. So God in his graciousness gives these disciples another lesson. Jesus comes walking on the water to them and it says they, they welcomed him into the boat and immediately they were at the other side. End of story. In this chapter, there's no more discussion about the boat. But if you go to Mark and you go to Matthew, there's great detail about the boat. Why is it so important here? It is so important to understand. I think God was showing these disciples that you can trust me everywhere. You can trust me on land when it's all going well, but you can trust me when it's a problem. When, when, when we're, we're in the boat and we're in the storm and we're, and we're scared. And we all get there. We all have our storms to deal with. And so I think the boat is just another lesson to teach us to trust God. Because you know, lay, if Jesus is in your boat, everything's okay. Everything's okay. If Jesus is in the boat, Joy, everything is okay. It's all, it's all okay when he's in the boat. And it doesn't matter what, if the storm is raging around us, if Jesus is in the boat, it's okay. Now, I have, I have absolutely no problem believing that Jesus fed those 5,000 with that little boy's lunch and I have no problem believing that he walked on water. He could speak worlds into being. He could, he could divide the day and the night and all of the things of creation. So why, why would it be difficult for him to walk on the water? He created the water. So I, I have no doubt that Jesus did these things. So question, what do you think this, the major point is that we might recognise that uh, it was just a sign really to the disciples that Jesus will walk on water to fix whatever problems you've got if you'll give him half a chance. He'll walk on water to fix your problems, help you through them, give you the strength you need if you give him the opportunity. And when he's in the boat, we immediately get to the other side. Times against us. Jesus wants to speak into our everyday issues of life. He wants to speak into your family, into your friendships, into your finance. He wants to speak into Lee and Mari's health issues at the moment for Mari in hospital. He wants to, if you've got staff, he wants to speak into how you're handling that, your co-workers, your fellow Christians. He wants to speak into all of those things and Jesus alone is all we need. And if he is in the boat, all is well. Verse 22 to 25, the story now turns. The focus is now on the crowd. They know the disciples got into a boat without Jesus and they eventually follow the disciples um, to Capernaum. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, where did you, uh, when did you get here? How did you get here? What, what, what's going on? We saw the disciples and you, got it, you didn't get into the boat, but we can see that you're here now. What's going on? And what did Jesus do? He just ignored them. 
He didn't even bother to answer them. Why? Because they wanted Jesus for one reason only. They wanted Jesus because he was going to fix all their problems. He was going to deal with the Romans and he was a good guy at party tricks. He could turn the bread into feeding the crowd. He probably walked... We don't know how he got over on the lake, but maybe he walked on the water. There's nothing he can't do. So the crowd wanted Jesus because they wanted him because they thought they were going to get something that would benefit them and help them in their current everyday situation. They missed the point completely. They missed it completely. And we can miss it if we let things crowd in and cloud our thinking and so on. Jesus, uh, in verse 26, says, it's only because their bellies were filled that they were seeking him out. They want Jesus, but only for what they can get out of it. And Jesus wants them to know that labouring for food that perishes is a waste of time. He says to us today, don't labour for physical things that won't sustain. He says, labour for what is of eternal value. Labour. If we had time to, exp- to talk about it, this chapter talks about us labouring um, for some of the things that God is offering here, the, the eternal life and salvation. Well, we know that you can't work for your salvation. So this is faith. Jesus is really saying these people just, that the labour is that they would, ex- they would just exercise faith, that they would trust that God would be able to do it. Uh, problem is the crowd saw Jesus as nothing more than being very useful to them. Jesus never came to do a few party tricks. Don't ever see him as just being useful for what he can do for you. And our Western culture gets us, um, we want to get all we can, make ourselves number one, look after ourselves, and the world quickly takes our appetite away. The whole chapter is about bread and sacrifice. We've done it today. Brett led us to the communion table. That's what this chapter is about, that Jesus is that true bread that will sustain us and provide us with everything that we need. This is pointing us to Jesus. Do you see him? Do you understand today that these people only wanted it for what they could get? Don't ever let that mark your relationship. Jesus says to you today, do not labour for what doesn't satisfy money, position, power, prestige, praise of men, All these things don't satisfy. Jesus says in verse 27, do not labour for food, and I've called it stuff. Don't labour for stuff that doesn't satisfy. What are you doing with your stuff? We've all got stuff, haven't we? We've all got things we think are important. Well, they're not important at all in the overall scheme of things. What is really important is that Jesus is the central focus of all that we do. He is the only one who will satisfy us. Faith that Jesus will be able, will be the one to provide eternal life to all who seek him has, is the offer that this chapter makes that Jesus is the, is the provision that God has made to enable us to do the work that God gives us to do. Do you love him today? Do you value him above all else? He says, I am all that you need. He can satisfy all our longings. We can see him high and lifted up today. What's that wonderful old hymn says? The king is coming. 
the king is coming. I, I printed it out. I won't read it all. Time's nearly gone. It says, oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding and now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming. Praise God. He's coming for me. And the king is coming. But the king is leaving us here at the moment. And, and it says here in verse 1, the marketplace is empty. There's no more traffic in the streets. The builders' toil, tools are silent. There's no time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labours. All the courtrooms, no debate. Work on earth is all suspended as the king comes through the gate. Jesus is coming again. We don't know when. It could be today, Brian. It could be. They asked Billy Graham, are you fearful of death? He said, no, I'm not fearful of death. What's beyond the grave is so wonderful. And he's experiencing it today. And we all will experience it one day. But in the meantime, let's feed on the bread, the true bread that comes from heaven. That is all that we need to sustain us every day. So, quickly in summary, 12 baskets remind us that he will is the true bread that satisfies. He knows our personal needs. He will, he will give us every day what we need if we give him the opportunity. There is nothing that Jesus cannot do and if, you, if, if he needs to come to you today, Danielle, if he needs to come to you and walk on water, that's what he'll do. That's what he'll do. Connie, he'll come to you. Whatever you need, he, he comes. He'll come walking on the water if he has to. To, to give you what you need if you give him the opportunity. He says, are you hungry? I am the bread. He says, are you thirsty? I am the living water. Are you weak today? He says, I am your strength. If you are lonely, he says, I am your comfort. And today your basket will be different from mine. What I have to have in mine will be different from yours, Terry. And what Rob you have in yours will be different to mine, but he will give each of us what we need. When we were away with Andy and Rachel, we did a big jigsaw. And you know, I found that you had to go away from the jigsaw sometimes because you were so confused looking at all the pieces. And then you'd come back and you just, your eyes would light on a piece and it was just the piece you wanted. My prayer today is that just the piece you need today to put into the jigsaw of life will be Jesus and, and that you will take him and you will, you will recognise he's the true bread from heaven. Then when you do that, you will be able to do what the church is exhorting us to do, bless other people. So Jesus does feed the hungry and the hungry might be us as his people today. Sometimes the hungry are those searching for God and they don't even know it yet and waiting for us to connect some dots. Take him at his word. Appropriate the basket he gives you and enjoy everything that God has in Jesus for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the thoughts that you've given to us all today that you provide everything that we need. There's nothing, nothing you hold back. And so help us as your people today to go from this heart place with our hearts encouraged and stirred that, Lord, you have something for each of us to do, 
and you will give us all the equipment and the skill that we need to do it. And when we face our struggles and we feel like we're on the lake and about to drown, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you come walking on the water and you come and you, you get into the boat and everything's okay. And so we commit ourselves to you and we pray for your help to live godly lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen.